Welcome to the Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast, the podcast that travels back into time to review classic episodes of Jim Crockett Promotions' Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling as it appears on the NBC streaming service Peacock, as well as internationally on the WWE Network. My name is Mike Sempervivi, and I'm being joined by Roman Gomez. And if you want to follow along with us, but don't have access to Peacock or the network, you can still do so by heading over to the mighty midatlanticgateway.com and checking out David Tobb's reviews of these classic shows. The Mid-Atlantic Championship Podcast has social media on several platforms, by far most active on Twitter, but we also have a Facebook, Instagram page, and more. Just search at Mid-Atlantic Pod and look for the logo. We're also available on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash Pod, where you can find podcasts and other content exclusive to the page. Please subscribe, watch, and like the videos. It would be doing us a great service. And finally, like everyone else, we also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash Podcast. Now with all that out of the way, today in episode number 52, we take a look at the television that was taped on Wednesday, January 19th, 1983 at the WPCQ Studios Channel 36 in Charlotte, North Carolina and began airing in local markets beginning that weekend of Saturday, January 22nd, 1983. Bring in my co-host right now, Roman Gomez. Roman, how are you today? I'm doing good, Mike. How's everything going with you? No complaints out of me whatsoever. We had a busy week last time around. We've got another busy week this week on Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, for which Tommy Young is our referee for the day. And the show begins in progress. As after we get the initial opening with the rundown and the theme music and all that sort of good stuff, we find a match already in the ring. Ken Timms and Masafuchi against Sweet Brown Sugar and Mike Davis. We see about less than two minutes uh, of this match in total. Sweet Brown Sugar pins Masafuchi after a flying body press off the ropes. And that was that, which led into Bob Cottle talking a little bit about what would be taking place on the show. We'd be seeing Dick Slater, who's been causing a ruckus here recently, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood, plus the Slam Dunk Contest, which is the other name for the one-man gang body slam challenge, for which Sir Oliver Humperdinck is offering $5,000. Bob then throws it to the ring again, where we see Mr. Unpredictable Dick Slater against Vinny Valentino, and this match only goes... About three minutes, but it does give Bob time to talk about the fact that we have four tag team matches coming up on the show today, as well as Mid-Atlantic Television Champion Mike Rotundo. And once again, Bob loves saying slam dunk. Talked about that coming up and the fact that Dizzy Hogan was going to be our participant. As all that was going on, Dick Slater was beating down on Vinny Valentino and ultimately won with a Boston Crab and a little bit I guess it was around three minutes or so. Held it on for a little while afterwards, Roman, but first two matches, pretty nondescript this week. Yeah, there was a kind of ridiculous spot in the opening match that was joined in progress when Tim's went for four straight elbows that he missed by a mile and a half. I mean, Stevie Wonder could have saw these elbows coming, so you guys get a chance to check that out. It's kind of funny to see how obvious that, you know, what was going to happen, but yeah, the first two matches, nothing exciting, and Cottle kept calling it the slam dunk contest like you alluded to, and when I heard that, I was waiting for Dominique Wilkins or somebody to 
to run out. You know, I was not expecting it to be related to wrestling. Bob was a big fan of the uh, Dean Smith, uh, North Carolina Tar Heels, big, big Chapel Hill fan. And at 82, let's see, uh, James Worthy and some guy by the name of Michael Jordan was there uh, <laughs> causing havoc in Houston and Georgetown and all these other teams trying to catch up to him. So uh, at that time, Bob really loved saying slam dunk. And that's obviously what they were calling the one-man gang challenge for which Dizzy Hogan, Ed Leslie, the future Brutus the Barber Beefcake, the only man to even move one-man gang during a last week's challenge. He gets a one-on-one opportunity, but before we get to that, we get Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood in there against one of our favorites, Jim Dalton and Frank Monty, an old favorite in Mid-Atlantic, uh, maybe not a favorite all the time to the fans, but a guy who was around Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling the first time Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood were the World Tag Team Champions a few years earlier, but... They don't last too long, Dalton and Monty, that is. They only last a little over five minutes. Good match, though, from Steamboat and Youngblood, as it always is, giving the opposition uh, enough offense to make them credible before ultimately pulling out the victory. Steamboat pinned Dalton after he was slingshotted into the ring, basically delivered a shoulder block to Frank Dalton after, or Jim Dalton, that is, after a blind tag from Youngblood and Steamboat and Youngblood come out on top, Roman. And Steamboat naturally sold for his opponents to make the match look a little bit more competitive. But uh, I thought the finish came off a little sloppy. I, I like the slingshot maneuver, but the way it was executed, it seemed like the timing was a little off. It seemed like Dalton was waiting and waiting and waiting, and then finally it happened, and it just came off a little bit clumsy to me. Yeah, it was not perfection, but it uh, doesn't matter in the fans' eyes as Steamboat and Youngblood take another victory as they march on to go try to get their match with Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle for the NWA World Tag Team Championships. Then it was time for our Slam Dunk Challenge, the Body Slam Challenge, $5,000 from Sir Oliver Humperdinck, up on the line, says he will invite anybody. Man, woman, child, alien, vegetable, mineral, doesn't matter what it is. As long, if you can slam the one-man gang, he's going to pay you $5,000. And Ed Leslie, Dizzy Hogan, tries it first. He gets one-man gang up a little bit, gets him off his feet, but that's it. Starts to sell his back. But immediately, the boogie-woogie man, Jimmy Valiant, jumps into the ring. There's no music at first. It's a relief. Maybe I'll be able to cut this and play it on the show. But no, once Jimmy Valiant tries, he says, I can't do it. I gotta have my music. And then they hit the music. Boy from New York City, or in our case, the WWE overdub. Valiant (laughs) tries to get one man gang up, struggles, gets him up a little bit. And then Sir Oliver Humperdinck gives a little bit of a shove. Gang falls on top of Valiant. Valiant's hurting. Big 747 splash right down on top of Valiant. That's that. Dizzy Hogan checks on Valiant. Gang and Humperdinck leave. Valiant's laid out in the middle of the ring. And that's that, Roman. And when Valiant says, play my music, we all know how important his music is to him. This is the guy that said, you can have my old lady, just don't mess with my music. So that was going to inspire Valiant to lift Gang up and, uh, it's kind of funny to see Sir Oliver giving the boots to Valiant. 
you know, and then uh, the splash from one man gang and then Valiant really oversold it at the end as he was shaking and twitching like he was having a convulsion. <laughs> Nobody convulses like the boogie woogie man. <laughs> Nobody he, can just... he was ha- he was having a seizure or something. Something <laughs> something wasn't right. <laughs> you know, and that's how over Jimmy Value was. If anybody else sells like that, people would be saying how corny it is, but when's the boogie woogie man, damn it. <laughs> you know, he's hurting. It was then time for our localized promos, which we of course don't get. We get in lieu of promos. This time around, it's Mike Rotundo, the NWA Mid-Atlantic Television Champion, who tells Bob Cottle all about the fact that he wants to face off against Ric Flair. He says that may shock a lot of people. Cottle talks about Rotundo being worthy, talks about the fact that he kept coming back against Bad Bad Leroy Brown, and then it was time for Rotundo's match in the ring against Bill White, and this thing goes a little under seven minutes, and It gives Bob uh, a lot of time to kind of talk about Jimmy Valiant and would he have been able to actually fully slam the one-man gang if Sir Oliver Humperdinck didn't get in the way. Bob, at this point, is then joined by Rowdy Roddy Piper. And this, Roman, uh, we haven't played any clips yet. It's amazing, but I have a feeling that business is going to uh, pick up here a little bit soon. Well, it has to. Piper's in the area. Business is definitely going to pick up when Piper's around. Match was decent. It was seven minutes, a little under seven minutes. Rotundo wins with an airplane spin. Solid match between two solid individuals, one a veteran, one on the come up. And then we can say, really, business is going to pick up here, folks, as I play our first interview of the day. It is taped comments from Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle, your NWA World Tag Team Champions. Well, here we are, standing alone, fully dressed in our street clothes. Again, the limo's parked right outside of this TV studio. The belts are here. Where's Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat? We tell you, maggots, week after week, that we want to wrestle them anywhere, anytime, any type of match. We'll do it right here on television. It will take no time at all to go out in the limo and get our wrestling bags. Now we have to tell you to come out here and rip off his coat again. Come on out here and do it. Come out here and take this hat off my head. If you're such brave, tough men. Well, we got a new word in the camp of Sergeant Slaughter now. And this is a word. Tell him what the word is. Pain. And how do you spell pain? S-L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R and K-E-R-N-O-D-L-E. That's right. All you maggots out there, you want to see Steve and Youngblood wrestle us? Well, why don't you write him a letter and send some guts along with it, and we'll do it. I'll go ahead and cut it off right there, Roman. Basically, a, a canned interview as we don't hear any specifics from Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle about what they're going to do to Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngbud. Uh, We're going to hear from them a little bit more later on here, but basically a generic promo from them that that really could be played in any area at any time, hyping up their feud together. You know, there was no mention of a date, an arena or anything, but Slaughter brought the intensity, you know, which is something I like. You can hear it in his voice. He wanted Slaughter, I'm sorry, he wanted Steamboat and Youngblood and, uh, I like that. There's intensity. There's fire. There's some, something to it. So that was a good interview to hear. Now we're going to go ahead and pick it back up here with uh, another set of promos actually taking place back on the set at the desk with Bob Cottle. 
Dory Funk Jr. and Greg Valentine and Roman, we got to point out the fact that Dory Funk Jr., you know that little that little tuft of hair that he has in the front of his head? Boy, is mm-hmm. that thing on steroids going straight down his face, which is just really accented by the fact that he is in the most grandfatherly-looking winter Christmas, it's cold outside, sweater that he has on. It is a hell of a look for the NWA, former NWA World World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, his hairstyle was always uh, unique, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, and you know, one thing we didn't really hit hard on last week, even though we did point out the fact that Jerry Briscoe, after Dory Funk Jr. challenged Jack Briscoe, Jerry was the one who got the pin in that six-man tag team match uh, against Dory Funk Jr. I'm sorry, in that tag team match against Dory Funk Jr. But Dory Funk also, in challenging Jack Briscoe last week, raised the time limit on the match if anybody can defeat him now in 30 minutes, not 20, in 30 minutes, they get his $100,000. So... Really, you know, even though he is a dirty heel, he has really laid out the red carpet for Jack Briscoe to come after him. And he also, uh, in this interview, talks about the guy who's going to interview after him, Greg the Hammer Valentine. And, you know, one thing I do like about this promo a lot, Roman, is the fact that Dory Funk Jr. was like a unicorn, you know, in a lot of places. He would just kind of come and not stay for too long. In some areas, you never saw him at all, but you would see him in the magazines. When you would see the NWA rankings, you would always see Dory Funk Jr. there. Whether he was in Florida or Amarillo or in Mid-Atlantic, no matter where he was, he was always a threat to all of the championships. And he makes sure to point that out. You know, he points out that he would go after Greg Valentine. He would go after Ric Flair. That's one of the reasons that he's there. Yes, and it's not often where you hear a heel talking about going after another heel's belt. So I thought that was kind of refreshing to hear that. Absolutely. In fact, we're going to hear it right now. Dory Funk Jr. right here. Dory, what are you doing all the way here from Texas? I mean, Texas is your home. That's right, Bob. My home is in Texas. I have a ranch in Texas. But I'm first and number one a professional wrestler, and there are some very important things going on here in the East Coast. First of all, number one. Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion. I'm a former champion myself. Ric Flair makes his home here uh, on the East Coast. So I'm in this area. I want to build my reputation as quick as possible and do as well as I can right here because always in the back of my mind is that world heavyweight championship belt. I know if I'm in this area, Ric Flair is going to be passing through this area again soon, and there's always a chance I may have a, a crack at his title. Jack Briscoe. Yeah. was my arch rival for the entire time that I was the world heavyweight champion. Right. He's here right now. He's mid-Atlantic champion. I am here after the championship belts. Greg Valentine, right over there. At times he's my partner, but still he's United States champion. That's important to me. I don't care if Greg is my partner, if I respect him for his ability as a wrestler, if I respect how tough he is. He is one of the champions. At one time or another, I'll be trying for his belt. Yeah. All right, and speaking of the U.S. champ, right here he is, Greg Valentine. Greg, I know you feel the same way about it, about being a champion. Well, that's exactly right, Bob Cottle. You know, that's that's what uh, I'm in professional wrestling for, is to be a champion, to be on, on top of the mountain, to be on, on top of the hill. You have to have a belt. And the United States heavyweight belt happens to be one of the most prestigious titles 
in professional wrestling today. You got Roddy Piper, Bob Orton Jr., your young bloods, your steamboats that get out here. They're braggadocious wrestlers. All they do is tell how they're going to hurt me or hurt Funk or hurt somebody else, take their titles. But the proof's in the pudding. When you've got the belt out here, then you can brag about it. If you don't, you got nothing to talk about. And Roddy Piper, he's got plenty to talk about. But is he a champion of anything? you got to be kidding me. There we hear from Dory Funk Jr. And then from Greg the Hammer Valentine, the United States heavyweight champion, still menacing, Rowdy Roddy Piper Roman. And uh, his team with Dick Slater looked like it was on the ropes for a few moments last week. But Dick Slater, being the unpredictable one that he is, was only teasing Greg Valentine. He had not gone back over to the babyface side. He was going to be in cahoots with him. And, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be long, Roman, before <laughs> we would be finding that out for sure. We might as well just go ahead and keep it going right now as after we faded to black and came back again, Roddy Piper was standing there with Bob Cottle. And you remember last week when Dick Slater wanted to offer an apology, it, one that ended up being fraudulent. It seemed as, as if Roddy Piper wanted to offer a heartfelt apology about missing some matches in a few places. That is until the unpredictable one himself came out and decided to interfere. You heard him during Mike Rotundo's match, and here is Roddy Piper. Roddy, I understand you have something you want to say to all the wrestling fans. Yeah, well, I have an apology uh, to make. I'm not making it because anybody's told me to make it. Uh, I missed some wrestling matches, and uh, I missed them because I went to another country where they don't take such good care as their fighters as they do in the United States. I have an apology to make. Excuse me, excuse me. Later. Can you stand over here I just a little bit? I have an apology to make. I understand you got an apology to make, but I got yeah. something to say. And being that you're a professional and being that I am a professional and we're going to stand right here and don't talk too close because I know you got bad wet. But let me tell you something right now. Everybody out here, everybody in this Mid-South area knows, knows right now that you got a big, big, big mouth. Well, that's fine. Because I don't like you any more than you like me. Oh, you're breaking my heart, man. You're breaking my you heart. Keep your mouth shut five seconds, Piper. I'll get what I got to say over with, and that's all I need. That now, time's up. <laughs> the time that you want to get time's in the up. you ain't got one gut in your body, my friend, and I know it, and these people out here know it, too. Don't have what? A gut. Don't a have gut. a gut. You ain't... Oh. And Piper slugs Slater, and Slater hits him right back as they stand toe to toe. Slater again, slapped and hit by Piper, slaps Piper again, and here comes Piper back with another blow. And now they're taking off the jackets. Slater, Slater jumps up into the ring. Piper now is ripping the buttons off his shirt. And here goes Piper into the ring. And Slater waiting on him as he gets through the ropes and they go at it. As they slugging and mauling and stomping and kicking at each other. Two wild men in the ring. Our tag team opponents, all four in the ring, just standing there watching them. Referee Tommy Young trying to break it up and get them apart as they continue to just rip and claw at each other. Tommy Young asked for the other four wrestlers to get in there and get them apart. 
Well, Johnny Weaver and Tommy Gilbert try. Here comes Mike Davis in. Sweet Brown Sugar. We got about six or eight in there now trying to get these two wild men apart. Dick Slater and Roddy Piper. Slater. Three have got Slater in about four or five. Now I've got Piper and they're apart at least for the moment. And their street clothes, Piper had his tie and his shirt and his suit on, ripped the buttons right off his shirt. And again, he breaks free and charges after Slater, and again they go at it. Slater and Piper. Determined now. Jim Nelson now just down on top of Slater. Got him in the ropes. They get Piper now across the ring in the other corner. Piper had on his on his suit, his street shoes. Slater had on his cowboy boots. Here comes Piper. I don't know how he got loose. They had him in it. I think they they just relaxed for a moment. Now being kicked. Slater kicking at him. Well, we got him apart again for just a moment now. Slater being held in one corner. There's no way that you can tell who got the better of this. These two men are wild and wild at each other. They're trying to literally carry Piper out of the ring. Roddy Piper still fighting now, trying to get free. He's going to be lifted through the ropes and taken out. And Slater now being dragged out of the out of the ring by Red Dog Lane and Jim Nelson. Piper, you dog! You yellow dog! Piper, you! Let me tell you something, Piper. You ain't got one gun in your body, my friend. Get back out here and fight me like a man. Get back out here and fight me like a man. All right, fans, that's Dick Slater right here, and we'll be back right after this message. Well, then, you know, by the time everyone hears this uh, on the podcast, I'm not sure how much of that pull apart you're going to hear between Roddy Piper and Dick Slater. It does go on for quite some time. In fact, the original version I'm playing right now for Roman to hear, I cut two minutes out of it, and it's still well over five. Just an absolute debacle breaking down between Dick Slater, who came out to interrupt Roddy Piper, and you just don't interrupt Roddy Piper and bait him for too long before he's got a strike back, slapping Slater. Slater, of course, being a maniac, stands his ground. They go at it. It takes everyone to pull them apart. And apparently uh, Johnny Weaver and Tommy Gilbert, Private Nelson and Red Dog Lane, who were supposed to be having a match, they, uh, they're just going to have to split the, uh, the winner's side of the purse there as their match gets thrown out, as everybody has got to get thrown out of the studio and some order needs to be restored 
after Roddy Piper and Dick Slater tear it down. And what I liked was not not only it started on the outside, but it went to the inside, is that they brawled and then got separated. And they were separated for, you know, 30 seconds, whatever. And then Piper would break loose and then the crowd would go crazy and then they would brawl a little bit more. And there was enough guys in the ring to separate them to make it look like they were trying to stop the brawl, but then Piper and Slater kept escaping, which added to the intensity a little bit. And just the crowd at one point was chanting, let them go, let them go. People wanted to see them go at it. And uh, I thought it was a very effective how they would break them up and then let them get back together for 20, 30 seconds, break them up again. And uh, it, it kind of gave the audience popcorn and, and just a little bit of butter, but not too much. Then they went and slathered everybody in it because I, where, where was troubleshooting NWA official Sandy Scott for this one, folks? Because somebody made the insane decision to let Dick Slater go back out and blow off steam with Bob Cottle immediately after all of this ruckus was caused. And uh, let's just say it wasn't the best of ideas. All right, fans, and right here at ringside, boy, what a wild time in that ring we just had with Dick Slater and Roddy Piper in what started out as just a calm interview. And here, Dick Slater right here with us at ringside. Dick Slater. Slater, I'm not so Just wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I can talk. I can talk. I can walk. I can wrestle. And I can't stand somebody to come out here and break up a fight like he did. But let me tell you something right now. There's a lot of people around here, Rodney Piper. You ain't never had your tail whipped, my boy. You ain't never been beat down like a dog. You don't know how to get down in the ground and get nasty, my friend. We're going to get nasty, me and you, Piper, because I am tired. I am tired of you walking around here, running your mouth about Dick Slater. Well, Dick Slater is a man of his word. And Piper, you better look over your back and you better look every time you open up that car door and you better watch out when you sit down on the toilet at home because I'm gonna be around, Piper. I'm gonna be around just like flies on a garbage can. And you are a garbage can, Piper. And when I get through with you, my friend. What do you want the last word? All right, here comes Piper again. As they go at it again, Slater and Piper all over the floor again as Piper came charging in. And again, here come four or five into the studio now, trying to rip them apart. Piper and Slater kicking at each other, stomping. And again, here is Piper now being carried out. And Slater now, again being held by three more. I don't know how we're gonna, how in the world we're gonna keep those two apart. Slater and Piper. Fans, it developed into a real brawl, and that's what we've got right here. David Taub of the Mid-Atlantic Gateway writes in his review of this show, 
this episode has a real Memphis feel to it. And you know what? After watching the brawls and, of course, watching Ken Timms miss those obvious four elbow drops by a mile, <laughs> you know, you can say that. Roman, I, one thing is for sure, they they felt like, it has felt like they they really lulled us into a false sense of security as far as how pedestrian this episode was going to be, and then 25 minutes into it, they absolutely kicked it into overdrive here with Slater and Piper. Yeah, they uh, they brought the intensity, that's for sure, you know, to see Piper and Slater go at it in the initial segment and then have a follow-up interview with Slater, and they go at it again, definitely brought up the intensity of the show, that's for sure. You know, if you see the matches that are bookending all this stuff taking place, uh, you know, it really, it, it, they're kind of like comedowns. You know, Bill White and Mike Rotundo was a very, a very good match where we got to see White, you know, show some of his vet skills, but then obviously put over Rotundo, the young up-and-coming guy, and it was, you know, about seven solid minutes. And then Jack Briscoe and Jerry Briscoe get in the ring against Ben Alexander and Ricky Harris, a young guy. and. Uh, another older veteran who this match goes about six minutes and again, not dazzling or anything like that. They are not going to outshine what happened with, with Dick Slater and Roddy Piper, especially over two segments for it to happen like that. They know the fans are still going to be coming down a little bit and uh, they they do (laughs) in this match here. Uh, A good match again, six minutes, Jack and Jerry Briscoe get the victory as Gerald Briscoe, forces Rick Harris to submit to the figure four, but with all the other action that we had going on, the match really was a secondary thought. Yeah, they had to bring it down a little bit, so that way Cottle can talk about the Piper and Slater incident. And uh, one thing I did like in this, uh, Harris, uh, better known as Black Bart later on, he had his leg worked over earlier on in the contest, then when he tagged back in, they worked the leg uh, allowing Jerry Briscoe to apply the figure four and get the victory. So I thought that was kind of a good storytelling there that they worked the leg at the beginning and then worked it at the end and then finished him off. Worked a daggum leg, man, a daggum leg. (laughs) But Black Bart, Rick Harris, and that evolution is going to be coming here down the line. Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, they come back out after the Briscoes finish up their match. Jack apparently disappeared into the back. He was done for the day, but Gerald Briscoe, stayed out there when they were joined by Roddy Piper. All right, fans, and right here with us at ringside right now, what a great tag team combination you two guys are, and you work beautifully up there in the ring, Rick Steamboat, Jay Youngblood. You know, beautiful so, match. Rick. Bob, thank you very much. You know, another very good tag team combination. Yes, They're good friends of ours, and believe it or not, these are some of the guys that have been helping Jay and myself out on tag team combination, helping us study films. Now... You sh- we showed a little bit of something in there. We've got another friend of ours that's been helping us out named Johnny Weaver, showing us how to apply the sleeper hold. Oh, here, ca- All right, here, 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 here comes Roddy Piper out here. Here comes Roddy Piper. Yeah. I'll tell you something, Slater. You come out here and you say, you want to slap me in the face? Say, come on out here and fight me like a man, Piper. Okay, I'm talking to you right now, Slater. I'm telling you, come out here right now and fight me like a man. Come right now. Just a second. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I don't, I don't see him. Obviously, I'm talking. Obviously, I have proved my point. I said, come on out here and fight me like a man. And he's not here, man. All right. 
All right. He I'll said, he, he, said he proved his point. I'll tell you what. If Piper and Slater want to jump in the middle of the fire like Cronuda and Slaughter have, they've come at the right time because it is in its peak in the fire with Slaughter and Cronuda and Rick and myself. We have tried so hard and so long, and I have gone through so many injuries trying to get those belts. More power to you, Slater. More power to you, Piper. But, Slater, I do believe you've bitten off a little bit more than you can chew. You know, another thing that we've been working on that maybe Slaughter and Canoodle are going to have a little bit of surprise. We're not going to give any names this time. This time, And you talk about some kind of collaboration. They talk about something's happening in maybe in their dressing room that they don't know what's going on. There's somebody that's showing us how to put the Cobra Clutch hold on, and we're not going to tell you who it is. It might be somebody on the same side of the fence that you all are on. Sleeper, too. We got Johnny oh, Weaver sleeper, helping us with the sleeper. Oh, man. That, that's an arsenal right there. I it, tell Jay? you, Bob, Youngblood and Steamboat has got the world champions backpedaling. They don't know which direction they're coming from. Every time they turn around, either Rick or Jason is out there looking them right in the eyes. And as soon as they see that eyeball, eyeball contact, they immediately turn tail and run. I hadn't seen them face Youngblood and Steamboat yet. And as far as Dick Slater goes, how many you gonna do it to, brother? You've done it to Orton. You've done it to me. You've done it to Piper. Don't you think you're walking a little bit of thin water right now, Slater? You're coming right into the Mid-Atlantic area. Sure, you come in here for some big bucks, some tremendous money. But there comes a time in every man's life when those bucks, you forget the meaning of them. Then it all boils down to what you got inside of you, Slater. And we all know what you're made out of. And that's a bunch of putty because you got no backbone at all, Slater. All right, hey, hey. There's another man putting it on Slater. Well, I thank you for the kind words from Gerald saying about Sergeant Slaughter and about Don Crudo. They have been running. We've been trying to get any kind of a contract with them, anything that they want to sign, anything they want to throw in front of our faces. And believe you me, Bob, we've had some stipulations in which Jason and I had to take a double look at that contract before we put our name down there. And they said they want to do this before they give us a match. Mm -hmm. They want to do this, this and this and this outline and everything else. You know, pretty soon it seems as though that you're going to have to have a lawyer's brain or attorney to read out all this red tape that we're being put through. You know, I, I'm sitting here and standing here thinking about it. What, what in the world would Slaughter do if you got the Cobra Clutch on him? I just wonder what that man would do if you were to put that hold on him. Well, I'm sure that he's had... A man teach him, and I'm sure that he's felt what it really feels like, Bob, the blackness coming in. When I got out of it, can you imagine how he felt when I got out of it? That's right. Well, right you just reverse TV. it, and you think how that man's going to feel when we get the Cobra Clutch on you, Cronoodle, or you, Nelson, or you, Mr. Mind Sergeant. games, that's all it comes down to. Mind games. We've got you, brother. Mind games, say Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood alongside Gerald Briscoe there. Filling a little bit of time there, I, I felt, at the end of the show, in addition to whatever their regular interview time was going to be there as, man, Roman, we get to the end of this thing, and it felt like we were Sunday driving for 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden, we take this off-ramp, and we're immediately like on the track at Talladega going 180 miles an hour. Once Slater and Piper got out there, the show just completely took off, went to a, a, a different level, uh, and then we smoothed back out here with the remembrance that the biggest feud that we have going on right now in this territory is Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood and them trying to get their hands on Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle, who say that they really, really want that match 
but then just somehow, some way, don't sign the contract, don't happen to, to cross paths inside the studio. And my gut's telling me they're, they're going to have a match. That's just my gut. Uh, what, do, what do you think, Mike? You think they're going to have a match down the road? Probably pretty soon. And, and you know, eventually, at some point, they're going to have to cross paths in the studio. They seem to keep missing each other in the last couple of weeks. I think it may have to do with Slaughter and Kernoodle. But then again, they've been a little bit paranoid here recently with trying to figure everything out, who tore up Kernoodle's coat and all that sort of good stuff. And Apparently, from how it sounds, at least what Ricky Steamboat said, the mind games are going to continue for these fan favorites who have been on the losing end, on the injured end, way too often against the NWA Tag Team Champions. Yes, and that is a big studio, so maybe that is part of the reason they keep missing each other. (laughs) It's just amazing how tiny that studio is, especially how it was compared to the old WRAL studio that they had over there in Greensboro on Channel 5. But... It's WPCQ for now until the Nemo truck comes in next year. Uh, Later on this year, actually. Maybe later on this year the Nemo truck comes into effect, but we won't jump ahead on that anytime soon. We'll go ahead and, and put a bow on the proceedings of this program for this week. I will mention that over on Worldwide Wrestling, I only found three results over at Clawmaster that indicate that matches took place on Worldwide. Jerry Briscoe defeating Larry Lane, Dory Funk Jr. defeating Dizzy Hogan, and One Man Gang defeating Vinnie Valentino. So they may have been doing a lot of review of this episode of Worldwide with the brawl that took place between Dick Slater and Roddy Piper. But if anybody else out there has that VHS from way back in the day, let us know. We'd love to actually get some verification on that. But you know what it's time for. Now time to make some time. Let's take time for this commercial message about the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling events coming up in your area. We begin our tour around the territory on Thursday, January 20th, 1983. The Scope in Norfolk, Virginia. Top matches, Dick Slater defeated Jerry Briscoe. Johnny Weaver, Jimmy Valiant, and Sweet Brown Sugar knocked off Greg Valentine, Dory Funk Jr., and Sir Oliver Humperdinck, and Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood defeated Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cronoodle, but did not win the titles. That would be a common theme here coming up in these results. On Friday, January 21st, Richmond Coliseum, Roddy Piper battled Dick Slater to a no contest, Jimmy Valiant defeated Sir Oliver Humperdinck by countout, and Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood once again defeated Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernoodle. Also on January 21st in Charleston, South Carolina at County Hall, Gene Anderson and Larry Lane knocked off Johnny Weaver and Mike Davis. Paul Jones defeated Tommy Gilbert, and Dory Funk Jr. defeated Sweet Brown Sugar. On Saturday, January 22nd in Roanoke at the Civic Center, Greg Valentine faced off against Roddy Piper, Abdul the Butcher faced Dory Funk Jr., and Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood faced off against Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernoodle. Sunday, January 23rd, the Coliseum in Greensboro. The one-man gang defeated Jimmy Valiant. Jack Briscoe's Sweet Brown Sugar and Mike Rotundo defeated Dory Funk Jr., Paul Jones, and Red Dog Lane. Roddy Piper and Jerry Briscoe defeated Greg Valentine and Dick Slater. Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernoodle defeated Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. 
Also on Sunday, the 23rd in Toronto, Ontario, Maple Leaf Gardens. Some of the matches that matter to Mid-Atlantic fans. Johnny Weaver defeated Tim Gerrard. Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood defeated Sergeant Slaughter and Don Carnoodle by disqualification. And Jimmy Schnooka defeated Ray Stevens in a match where Salvatore Belomo was the special referee. On Monday, the 24th in Fayetteville at the Cumberland County Civic Center, Gene Anderson and Larry Lane defeated Tommy Gilbert and Sweet Brown Sugar. Jack Briscoe defeated Dory Funk Jr. And Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood knocked off Sergeant Slaughter and Don Kernoodle. Also on the 24th in Greenville at Memorial Auditorium, Mike Rotundo defeated Private Nelson, who was a sub for Joe LaDuke. Jimmy Valiant defeated the one-man gang by disqualification. And Roddy Piper and Jack Briscoe defeated Greg Valentine and Dick Slater. On January 25th in Columbia, South Carolina, Township Auditorium, Jack Briscoe defeated Larry Lane. The Boogie Woogie Man Jimmy Valiant defeated the one-man gang. And Roddy Piper, Jerry Briscoe, and Johnny Weaver knocked off Greg Valentine, Dory Funk Jr., and Dick Slater. Also on Tuesday the 25th in Keenansville, North Carolina at Memorial Auditorium, Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood, and Sweet Brown Sugar defeated Sergeant Slaughter, Don Carnoodle, and Paul Jones. Also on the card, Joe LaDuke faced off against Mike Rotundo, and Little Tokyo faced off against Tiny Tom. And that takes us back around to Charlotte on January 26th, Wednesday evening, WPCQ Studios, Channel 36, Charlotte, North Carolina. And here is the WWE Network preview. For next week, January 29th, 1983, NWA World Champion Ric Flair goes one-on-one with Pat Rose. Certainly sounds like that is going to be a tape that is sent in from down south. You know, as I mentioned earlier on, I invite you to follow us across our many forms of social media, Instagram, Facebook, but especially on Twitter, where we are the most active and interactive. Just search at Mid-Atlantic Pod. We would also really appreciate you following us on YouTube, youtube.com slash midatlanticpod, and consider supporting the show via Patreon. Just search patreon.com slash midatlanticpodcast. I also invite you to support all of the programs and content here on the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. We don't condescend, and we are dedicated to preserving and accurately archiving the history of professional wrestling. And I'm proud that this show, produced by me, can be a part of that. For Roman Gomez, I'm Mike Sempervivi. Take us home, Bob DeBartolabin and Uncle Bob Cottle. Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling has been furnished to this station for broadcast at this time by Jim Crockett Promotions in exchange for commercial consideration. As these two go at it, Granodle and Steamboat. Granodle's got that shirt. He has ripped it to shreds. And they continue to chop and slug away at each other. Kenoda now wrapped in the shirt. Uh, here we go to the desk. As Kenoda is on the floor, fans will see you next week. <laughs>